here's a humorous little clip. I know we've used it before. Jane Sargent used it a few years ago. But it's just to get your head around some of the, the comical stresses that come with Christmas. I'm sure none of your Christmases will be anything like that. But I do wonder whose relatives they filmed. I'm sure I've seen some of you with some of those before. A guy called Reverend Alfred McBride says this, every Christmas God asks us to shed one more thin veneer of tinsel and trappings and come alive to the real treasure. The older we get, the harder this is to do. As children, we had a sense of wonder with wide open eyes to the excitement and expectation, but somehow we grew too old to anticipate. We grew weary of keeping up with life and we stepped away from God's banquet of gifts. The natural gift of wonder God gave us as children was meant to increase and really live. But instead we let wonder diminish and die. And I do wonder how many of us have lost the true, the sheer wonder of Christmas. You know, in all the busyness and the things, the to-do list and uh, the things to sort and some of the hassles that we've got and people concerned about and And yet it's so easy, isn't it, to miss the absolute awe and wonder of what truly took place at Christmas. And uh, I'm going to do something um, a little bit different today. It's quite long, so you might want to buckle in for the ride. Um, I'm going to try and go through something fairly quickly, which I'm not known to do, So, but I'm going to try my best this morning. And uh, you should have found a piece of paper that looks a little bit like this in your update sheet. And uh, rather than look at the 12 days of Christmas, what I wanted us this morning, in an attempt to fill you once again with awe and wonder, is look at the 12 names of Christmas. So this morning, in the next 25 minutes or so, we are going to rattle through the 12 names that Jesus was given through the biblical and through the scriptures around the birth and his uh, prophesied birth. So... Okay, 12 to go. We'll dip in with number one straight away. Are you ready? Good. So the 12 names of Jesus in the Christmas story. We start, I'm going to do it in chronological order. So we start with the prophet Isaiah who said in uh, chapter 9 verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government rests on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So, wonderful counsellor. The meaning of a counsellor, perhaps in our human terms, is someone who advises, who guides, who comes alongside, uh, someone who encourages, someone who supports, helps us perhaps understand ourselves and uh, the kind of wider uh, scheme of life, how we fit into that, and understand our own decisions, our disappointments, our challenges, our concerns. And actually, if we think wonderful counselor and then apply that kind of thinking to Jesus, we fall short of the true meaning of what it means for Jesus to be our wonderful counselor. As good as that might sound, having somebody to sit with you in that kind of process, it really does no um, credit does a grave injustice to the name of Jesus. One, comment, one commentator unpacks the title as this. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is the one who is astounding, marvelous, astonishing, and who gives direction and advice that is supremely wise, just, and invaluable. 
What it means by wonderful counselor is the wonder bit is the heart of God, is the heart of Jesus. It's astonishing, it's marvelous, it's extraordinary. But the counsel that he gives is supremely wise. So you have somebody who wants to come alongside you, who wants to give you the best advice, but from the best heart. Wonderful counsellor. He's supreme in kindness and compassion, but supreme in wisdom and advice. His motives are pure. He's counsel the very and divine wisdom of God. You and I need the counsel of God, don't we? And if you don't, you're wrong. You and I need the counsel of God in our lives because we don't have it within ourselves to truly make life work. Jesus came to earth as a wonderful counselor. And I pray that this Christmas, that you would know the, you would know the wise and the wonderful counsel of Jesus. Mighty God, Isaiah 9 says, for he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. The Hebrew root of these two words carry with them two really crucial meanings, omnipotence and deity. It's a loaded statement that Isaiah the prophet is making. What he says here is a revelation that the Messiah to come is going to be fully powerful and fully God. Not just a redeemer, not just a savior, not just someone who's going to rescue the Jews, but somebody who will be all powerful and will be fully God. It's a clear declaration from the prophet that Jesus would not just be the son of God, but would be fully God, fully divine and fully powerful. Some writers translate this uh, term, mighty God, as divine warrior. Gives it a bit of a different kick, doesn't it? It's not just about God being awesome and powerful, but the fact that he's ready to fight a battle. He's a divine warrior, someone who's able to battle and be victorious in every fight, physical, mental, and spiritual. Another commentator uh, uses this phrase, which is, he is the invincible champion of the oppressed. It's a nice term, isn't it? The invincible champion of the oppressed. When you think about the people that are oppressed in our world right now, they need a champion, don't they? They need someone to champion their cause. They need an invincible champion who will ultimately win. God wants to fight on our behalf. He's a divine warrior. He wants to keep your back. He wants to fight for you. He wants to be with you and support you. He wants to fight your battles with you. He doesn't leave you alone to fight them. So I pray that this Christmas, you would know the strength of your champion, God. And you would know him fighting on your behalf. Who feels they could do with God fighting on their behalf at the moment? Probably a few of us. And actually, him fighting on our behalf is better than us, isn't it? Sometimes it's really hard to let him do the fighting for us because we naturally want to fight ourselves. But actually, I know when God fights for me, the outcome is always better. I want God this Christmas to be a mighty God to me. I want to know his power. I want to know his strength. I want to know that he's fighting for me. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And this was a bit of a revelation when I looked into this one because I just assumed it meant father as in, you know, earthly father kind of description and just one that lasts a long time. But 
It doesn't. The word father here means the originator. So like in the way that you would father children, it is the father in the sense of the source, the originator, the creator, the maker. So it's saying here that Jesus is the creator of eternity. He is the source of eternity. And we sang, didn't we? Age to age he stands and time is in his hands, the beginning and the end the beginning and the end. So when Jesus came to earth into our time slot, he came as the one who was the author and the perfecter of life, the beginning and the end. Although he was just here for 33 years, he was outside of time, the beginning, the source of all eternity, the father of eternity and the everlasting one of eternity. Revelation 1 verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. And I want to say to you this morning, God is still to come in your situations. You can never say God has run out of options for what you're facing, because he's almighty God. And you may know that he has been in your life. You may think he is around, but you also need to know he is the one who is to come. Whatever you're facing this Christmas, he is in the future. He is to come. You don't need to fear your tomorrow because he's already there. He is the one to come. So this Christmas, may you know he will be with you in all of your tomorrows. For he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The title Prince of Peace denotes this, the one who, being the author of peace, brings or ushers in permanent peace. Who would like to live in permanent peace? Me. I just thought, what an amazing phrase, permanent peace. We all know moments of peace, don't we? Days of peace, weeks of peace, and then just something gets to us and that peace is rot. But God's heart is for us to live in a state of permanent peace. Doesn't mean we're not affected by life, but when our trust in God is so huge, it can provide us with a peace that does transcend all understanding. When Jesus came, he came to bring peace. Another kind of uh, explanation of that is the controller of people's well-being and inner prosperity. So it isn't so that he comes to give you everything that you want, but it's to give you everything that you need inside. Inner prosperity. Some of you will have very luxurious Christmases, I'm sure. Some people like the Oxo man will not have a very prosperous Christmas. But it is possible for every man, woman, and child to know inner prosperity, irrespective of how lavish their Christmas is. Jesus wants to bring you permanent peace in the core of who you are. I had to kind of readdress myself even this week. I was talking to somebody about uh, my Christmas coming up, and uh, my parents are coming to stay, and they're both disabled, so it's all quite exciting. And uh, um, 
I found myself, I'm not the best host or good with catering for numbers because I don't do that a lot. And I started to have a little bit of a panic about, oh, and I need crackers. Oh, and I need cranberry sauce. Oh, and I need Brussels. Oh, and I need Christmas food. Oh, and I need uh, brandy sauce. Oh, no, no, brandy, brandy cream. No, I need, and I started to list in my head all of these things that I had to have to have Christmas. Ridiculous. I thought, will my world come to an end if I don't have any cranberry sauce on my table? To be honest, my parents won't even notice what I'm feeding them, to be honest. They'll just be glad to be with me and to be having some food that someone else has prepared. And I had to really take a step back and say, Janet, what are you buying into here? That it won't be Christmas unless the tree is up, the lights are on, the cards are out... There's a turkey in the oven, there's carol music on the iPod, there's, you know, it's like I was thinking in order to make this perfect for my parents, my list was humongously long. And I was starting to think, but it won't be Christmas for them, I I want it to be so great for them, it won't be Christmas unless I have this, and if I don't have the cranberry sauce, it's all going to be ruined. It's ridiculous, isn't it, that we have so bought into this idea that it can only be Christmas if all of those things are in place. And in thinking about trying to get those all in place, my peace had disappeared and it was becoming one big stress. And I was thinking, why did I invite them? I'm going to come to Christmas Day here and have a free lunch. But now I really want them to come and I had to think, Janet, what's important here? It's me spending quality time with my mum and dad, even if we have a cheese sandwich. It's true, isn't it? And I'm really fighting the, I'm not going to have to do all of this stuff just to make it Christmas. I'll have to say I've made my own Christmas cake this year. Thank you, Barbara Mayo, for your help. It's one brandy for me, one on the cake. One brandy for me, one on the cake. We had a great time, didn't we, Barbara? Fortunately, the boys came and baked bacon the next day and took away the smell of alcohol, so. But obviously, there's no alcohol on Ealing premises. You know that, wasn't it? It was alcohol-free brandy. (laughs) Just had the smell to make it smell right, so. But I know, you know, when I look at the world and I look at some of the, some of the conversations I've had with people uh, leading up to Christmas, some people's lives around me are really, really quite difficult. And my heart breaks for them. And I think, if anything, I could wish for them is a peaceful Christmas. They don't have to have all the stuff or all the people or the, all the trimmings. Actually, they need a deep and permanent sense of peace at the core of who they are. And when Jesus came, he came to bring us to be the author, the prince, the originator of peace, inner prosperity. So this Christmas, may you know his peace that does transcend all understanding. Okay, we're going to jump into the New Testament now with the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. Matthew 1, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah There's three key words here to help us understand what Messiah means. Those three words are awaited, anointed, and deliverer. 
The word Messiah is around the words of awaited, anointed, and deliverer. Jesus was the anticipated, the hoped for, the awaited, the promised one. But not only that, he was the anointed one, the chosen one, the one consecrated for service, the one who was empowered to do all that was to be asked of him. Thirdly, Jesus was the one who would deliver, liberate, redeem, save Israel and who would deliver all mankind from sin, destruction and death. All I want to say from that is that God keeps his promises. God has spoken so many promises over our lives, hasn't he, through his word. And it might be that you're living in the now and the not yet at the moment. But the fact that he was the awaited one, the anointed one, the deliverer. I want to say to you this morning, God keeps his promises. You may be waiting for Jesus to come through for you in your life. But let be reminded today that he is your Messiah. You may be waiting for him, but he is the one who is anointed to help you and will deliver you. So may you know this Christmas that God keeps his promises. We jump a bit further into the story and now we pick up where Gabriel, the angel, visits Mary. I read this cute little story this week in uh, kind of pondering around this, this theme. Uh, a little story about a nativity play. We saw a fantastic one on Friday at the Bethlehem Bop. don't know how many of you are here, but it was fab and fun. But at this particular nativity play, all was going well until the angel appeared and told the little girl playing Mary that she was going to be with child. To which the little girl playing Mary replied, but how can this be since I am a Viking? (laughs) So cute. In Luke chapter 1 verses 30 to 32, which is um, kind of a repeat of Isaiah 7, the angel says to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord saves from sins, or God will save. The Lord saves from sins, or God will save. I want to show you a picture now that's going to just pop up on the screen. And this is, for me, one of the most extraordinary pictures I've ever come across. I appreciate it's probably quite small, Um, for you to see the detail and uh, this is a picture called Forgiven by Thomas Blackshear II and uh, it depicts a picture of um, Jesus in the background holding this man who has a hammer and a nail in his hand and there is a, a trickle of blood that comes from the body of Jesus and around the feet of this man and this picture hangs in the prison, Brinsford Prison that uh, a number of us go into regularly. Uh, They have the original print. I'm surprised it's still on the wall, to be honest. But um, uh, they have the original print of this. Uh, It's a a limited edition, um, and I just got this off the internet. But for me, it's the most powerful image of Jesus who saves from sins that even he would hold with compassion the man that had actually nailed him to the cross. It's a powerful image, isn't it? 
is that sense of the instantaneousness of God's forgiveness, that even as he's being nailed, his heart of forgiveness surrounds the brokenness of that man. It's a brilliant picture. Every time I go into the prison, which is just as a visitor, (laughs) so far, is to go look at that picture. And I always go and stand by it for a while and gaze at it. And all the team have, have looked at it several times. It's a phenomenal picture, isn't it? Of the Jesus that came to save us from our sin. And it doesn't matter today whether you're sitting here feeling very sin-free or you're very aware of something that's going on in your life or has happened in your life and you're feeling ashamed or guilty or you feel like that man that you've hammered Jesus to the cross, please, will you take that image away from you? Will you take it with you? The image of Jesus holding you and forgiving you in spite and in the midst of what you may have done. May this Christmas you know that you can be totally forgiven and saved from any sin. The other bit of... uh, passage that goes into in Luke 131 is um, it says he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end and later in verse 35 it says the son of God so I've grouped them together son of the most high son of God as they actually have a similar meaning and in Isaiah 9 the bit that we read originally It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given. And writers say that that's an indication of the humanity and deity of God. A child is born, his humanness, a son, the son of God, is given. There's a prophecy then from Isaiah that this child that is to come is going to be both fully human and fully divine. And here we have the same reinforcement. Mary, you will conceive and give birth, humanity, And he will be called Son of the Most High, Divine. The key to this, as Son of the Most High, is that there's an inference in that title that he will reign forever and his kingdom will never end. And that verse goes on to say, the Lord will give him the throne of David and he will reign forever. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, I wonder how many of us realize that we really are allowing God, fully God, into the very core of who we are. Yes, he was a baby, and yes, he walked this earth as a man, but he was also fully divine. He was the son of the Most High God. And can I encourage you today, I don't know how perhaps weak you might be feeling, or dilapidated, or lethargic, but you have, as a Christian, the son of the most high God in your life. Don't forget that he's there. Don't forget that he wants to change your life. Don't forget that he wants to be at work in your life. In Luke 6, it goes on to say that we will also be called sons of the most high when we emulate Jesus. And I thought, gosh, isn't that amazing that actually one day, you know, because we have Jesus, because we have God inside of us, that we too can be called sons and daughters of the Most High. And equally, we will reign one day with him forever. And we think often, don't we, about God reigning forever, but we sometimes forget that actually we will reign with him. 
And here we have at the heart of the Christmas story, the humanity of Jesus being demonstrated, his divinity, but also his purpose and our purpose. So this Christmas, may you know Jesus truly is the Son of God. Gabriel now visits Joseph. Matthew 1, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It was the US astronaut Hale Irwin who said after he returned to Earth after standing on the moon, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the Earth, but that God in Christ stood upon the Earth. We should never not be blown away by the fact that God came to earth and stood as one of us and stood amongst us that he left his glorious home to come to this crabby scabby broken world it's remarkable isn't it I want us just to close our eyes for a moment as I say this slowly God is with you. God, God the Almighty, the mighty God, the Creator, is right now, present tense, with, not just around, but really present with you. With you, yes, you. God is with you. May this Christmas, may you truly feel that in a new way, that God really is with you. Okay, we're doing well, last three, and these are a bit, or last four even, and the last two are really quick. So, Zechariah's prophecy, a little bit further on in time, Zechariah prophesies about uh, the coming saving. In Luke one sixty nine, he says, he has sent us a mighty saviour from the royal line of his servant David. Now in most translations, that word saviour is uh, said, the horn of salvation. He has sent us the horn of salvation. And this has two meanings. Biblically, whenever the word horn is used, it implies great strength and victory. This figurative word is taken from the fact that in horned animals, the strength lies in the horn Particularly the great power of the rhinoceros is manifested by the use of a single horn. When the sacred writers therefore speak of great strength in the Bible, they often use the word horn. So the horn of salvation, the horn replies great strength and victory. Secondly, it's also symbolic of a practice relating to the Jewish altar. On each of the four corners of the Jewish altar, there was a small projection called a horn. This was to provide protection and securities, security for those threatened by danger to their lives. Anyone who was pursued by an enemy could cling to the horns of the altar and they were considered as being under the protection of the Lord. This act gave them full immunity for the one in danger. So anyone that had you know, someone pursuing them, they could run to the altar, grab one of the horns and it meant that they were protected They were in refuge, they came under God's protection, but also it meant they were immune from any consequences. So according to the expression of Zechariah, the the horn of salvation, Jesus is now the altar that provides refuge for us 
strength, protection and immunity from our wrongdoings. It's mad, isn't it? Get your head around all of that. But quite fascinating that we we sometimes use the word, don't we, saviour, and actually in this instance it means the horn of salvation, which has much deeper significance. So I pray that this Christmas you would know his protection, his refuge. We move to the shepherds. Number 10, the word is Lord, not as in 10 lords leaping. But in Luke 2, it says, The Saviour, which we've mentioned, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. In the New Testament, this word, Lord, is the Greek word kurios, meaning God, Lord, and Master. It's a personal tense. So we've talked a lot about God being mighty and ruler and powerful and strong. But when it says Lord, it's talking about our personal response to God. Yes, he is Lord of all the earth, but is he truly Lord of all. Is he truly Lord of your life? Is he Lord of every part of your life? It's a really personal term. So I pray that this Christmas you would allow him to be Lord. Not the shopping list or the peer pressure or the to-do list, but actually Jesus would genuinely be Lord of your life and of your Christmas. Finally, we come to the kings. The kings turn up a bit later in the story. Humorous little story about presents. Helen Andrews used to give generous Christmas gifts to her seven grandchildren. They all lived locally but would never visit, and they never sent thank you letters. But then one year, things dramatically changed. Grandma Helen sent her usual £100 Christmas check to each grandchild. However, the very next day, and then in the next few days, gradually each grandchild came to visit. She was telling this to a friend of hers who said, How wonderful, at last. What do you think caused them to become so respectful? Oh, said Helen, it was so easy. This year I didn't sign the cheques. (laughs) Some of you are now adopting that idea. You've not made any notes yet, but that one's going down on your piece of paper. Don't sign the cheques. The last two words are ruler and shepherd. And in Isaiah 9, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Most of that is in a future sense. God will one day rule forever and ever and ever. And as much as we long to see his rule and his reign right now, and that can come in, but this scripture is saying that he, there will come a day when he truly will rule and reign everything. But in the present time, he wants to be your shepherd. He's not a powerful dictator that's just going to rule the two go hand in hand you can pop the other one up please Chris for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people it isn't just that he will come to rule which he will but also it's the heart of a shepherd two very 
diametrically opposed titles there, ruler and shepherd. That yes, one day he will rule, but in the meantime, he wants to shepherd you to that day. It's like a present care for you while we wait for the future time to come. So this Christmas, may you know a day is coming when the rule of God will come in all its fullness and never end. And this Christmas, may you know his tender care and compassion for you. Those are the 12 names that Jesus has given in the Christmas scriptures. But I want to just mention one last scripture. One final name to mention that I've left a gap on your piece of paper for. Because that name is yours. Because in Isaiah 49 verse 15 it says, I will not forget you. See I have engraved your name on the palms of my hands. Your name is carved into the hands of the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the Messiah, the son of the most high, Emmanuel, the saviour, the Lord, the ruler, the shepherd. Your name is carved into the very hands of Jesus. I pray that this Christmas you would truly know it is the most wonderful time of year. We're going to stand and sing now. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thank God for this gift, which is too wonderful for words. What's extraordinary about Jesus is that he is not just one of those names, he is all of those names and several hundred others that are listed through scriptures. It's all contained in this one person that came for you. I pray that the wonder of Christmas would alight once again in you and that these names of Jesus I've put them on a sheet so that you can perhaps ponder on them in the next couple of weeks leading up to Christmas may you embrace Jesus as he truly is this Christmas Amen